Awesome. Welcome to today's interview. This is another special one because we're introducing you to Abigail Chandler, an ex-Jehovah's Witness, turned business owner and yoga instructor. So quite the journey. Those of you who have been in the organization, you know that that's that lots of big steps that have happened on that journey. So we're going to talk about it and have a great conversation. Thank you for joining me, Abigail. Hi, thank you for having me. So to, to set the scene, you can hear tractors going back and forth outside. I do apologize. I can't hear them. <laughs> Good. Hopefully everyone else is all right. <laughs> yeah, it's the beauty of living in the countryside, right? So to, to set the scene, something that's really important that I like to emphasize, I've probably mentioned it before on here, is that when we're leaving an organization like Jehovah's Witnesses, and there are others like it as well, then it's so easy to get stuck in these loops. And there are some people who, you know, they get trapped in these mental and emotional uh, cycles for sometimes years and sometimes decades. So why I think it's really special about being able to speak to someone like yourself and hear your experiences, Abigail, is that, you know, you've managed to break out of that. And when we take the idea that success leaves clues, then there'll be gems and insights and milestones and epiphanies that you've had along the way that as we share them, that could be really helpful to people who are at those various stages along the way. So thank you again. Thank you. <laughs> I hope so. I hope it's helpful. Yeah. yeah. And uh, as well as that, we'll have a lot of fun too. So, yes. so if you want to share a bit of your background in terms of what your your history within the organization was and how you made that transition out of it. That's probably sure. a good place to start. Yeah, absolutely. So history-wise, I was raised as a Jehovah's Witness. So my grandparents on both sides came into it. I think I always get a little bit confused with how it works. I'm never sure if I'm saying it right, but I think that makes me second or third generation. Not sure. Um, but yeah, so grandparents on both sides of the family came into it so parents were pretty much raised in it and then obviously that followed through to me and my sister so very much born into it all I knew um you know told this is the way the world is all the, all the normal stuff that comes with that territory and basically kind of followed followed the path that you're supposed to follow so I did everything right um you know I did my ministry I did yeah. All the things that I hated, but I was meant to do meet, meetings every week. Um, I say hated, I mean, I, you know, I thought I believed it at the time. It wasn't until leaving that I, I knew it's not for me. But um, yeah, I was married at 23. So yeah, almost 24 years old. I got married um, to obviously a believing uh, brother in the congregation. And at 25 not long before my 26th birthday it saw me um well in my 25th year separated from my husband and really starting to question what I'd been raised in and exactly what it was and what it actually meant um and that journey saw me leaving the witnesses just before my 26th birthday and going through a divorce and just restarting life from there basically I was gonna say <laughs> that's a that's a lot of life <laughs> shifts in a short space of time there yeah yeah it actually uh I would to give a bit of context to that I my husband and I separated I think it was in May or June um so this was 2012 
and so I'm sort of eighth eighth year out now and I went to my last meeting I think it was the end of August so it was actually yeah a fairly condensed shift from this is how it is this is what I'll always believe I'll, I'll never leave you know all of those thoughts to uh, actually I'm going um I've never really acknowledged that actually so thanks for saying that I've never really thought about it being like quite yeah. short time period because I think some people and people that I know go through years of turmoil with this kind of decision um but I think it was a very sharp shock to the system for me with the marriage separation and things that I went through around that and things that followed had a judicial hearing was reproved um and put with somebody to study and it was there that I really started to question it yeah 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 and did you find that having all of that shift in sh such a short space did that send kind of a shock wave throughout uh, you know th throughout other areas of life as well what what was the impact like for you making that transition was it like a, a teleport or was was there some some fallout from it do you know what actually i would say that i'd probably looking at that or, or in hindsight I think I'd probably been making my way to this situation for a long time, but completely subconsciously and not realizing it mm. because I had had quite a few years by this point of chronic fatigue syndrome, um, depression, anxiety, panic attacks, medicated at the time, um, not too heavily, but I was on antidepressants. So I think I'd actually been in maybe that's why it was faster for me because I think I'd been in turmoil for such a long time of just being generally unfulfilled and unhappy in my life but not acknowledging it until the situation that I went through was so heavy and it's so intense and so painful and something that I never thought I'd be going through I think it was probably a long sort of like a slow build-up and then the intensity of of the pain and everything that I was going through with the marriage breakup was just like boom um and that catapulted me really but it was I, I I do think it was a culmination of all those years of just feeling awful and not happy in my life really because the ultimate decision for me came down to I'm not getting answers I'm or, or rather I'm not getting good enough answers yeah. and I've been miserable for a long time I think that's what it was you know I've tried I've tried I've tried I'm doing all the things right I've been unhappy for a long time and it just came to a head of I'm miserable and the the answers that this religion is giving me don't aren't enough they, it just wasn't enough to yeah. be unhappy still anymore so I was like why don't we explore what else is out there and I felt very I'm I'm a very instinctive creature very in, intuitive probably is the better word and I didn't realize that at the time but I now know that was really strongly pulling me out as well so yeah I'm um fascinated to hear your thoughts on when you made that shift of going look i'm miserable i'm not getting good enough answers what else is out there because what we were indoctrinated to believe was well where else shall we go lord you have the sayings mm. of everlasting life and even though that was said to jesus that gets misappropriated and pointed towards towards the organization so breaking through that thing there are many people who are, are still in who are faced with tons of evidence and they dismiss it or they just hold it at arm's length because they're like well 
these guys have the sayings of everlasting life. So there's nowhere else for me to go that's worth going. And so it's worth staying in the leaky lifeboat. Mm. I actually heard that at a convention or an assembly. It was a metaphor. It's like, look, if you're in a lifeboat, that okay, it might be rickety and you might not like the people sat next to you, but at least it's better than drowning in a freezing ocean. Yeah, and, and ironically, like a metaphor you, for it. Yeah, but to add on to that, then I would say, funnily enough, though, if you brave the cold ocean for a little bit and swim, you might find land yeah. or a boat. Like, let's not sit in this situation just because we've been told it's the only one that we know. I think that's a huge, a really huge thing that you've said there and so a really something really valid to look at because my experience when I've had discussions with my sister with other people that have come out with people that are in I should say my sister is still very firmly in um she was disfellowshipped for a time so we would have more conversations around this stuff the organization pre uh, sort of builds this idea into you that they are the only way and so you naturally believe this but you, you start to realize when you come out, you realize when you leave, you were never given an option to think anything otherwise. So it's like the whole, if you've got questions, come to our book to answer them. Well, if I've got questions about Harry Potter, but the only thing I turn to to answer them is the books every time, then that consumes my whole perspective and that's all I'm ever going to know and believe, isn't it? It's, it, yeah. does, it doesn't actually work. It doesn't really make sense. So they they give this idea that we they implant this idea that we are the only answer we are the only the only way and then they give you all the reasons for that so it's very clever because you're told this information and then you're given all the proof for it and it was actually one of the things that I realized when I was leaving was I came to this point where I felt like I've actually been given a lot of a lot of answers to questions that I haven't asked yeah. and maybe I should start asking some questions but asking them in a different way and outside this kind of um, construct um, I always use the analogy because I sorry let me go back to what I was saying but yeah there's this idea that there's this way so they give you that this idea there is one way or one way or one way that there are these straight lines with particular paths and it's very linear. So you're on a path and you follow that path and that's how they prove it to you. So they use another path and say, well, this leads to this or so many people that go down this route are unhappy or struggle, blah, blah, blah. And it was one of my biggest mind blowing moments about a year after I left, I went to Costa Rica on a yoga retreat on a whim. I booked it six weeks before I went. I'd never touched yoga or meditation in my life, of course. And I met all these different humans that were living life how they wanted to live life. And I suddenly realized that this idea I'd been given that there is a right way shouldn't even exist. And that's the a very dangerous level and line of thinking that they've given you. There is a right way. So then you struggle with leaving because you naturally then think, if it's not this way, then what way? And that's what my sister would express. If I leave this, then what path, what linear path do I choose? Or what alternative religion do I choose? Or what alternative way of thinking do I choose? And you can't see answers outside of that because fundamentally, actually, that way of thinking is flawed. 
the fact is you don't need a linear route you don't need one path and when i was in costa rica i learned this because i met all these people who had picked a bit from here and picked a bit from there and listened to themselves and followed what felt right for themselves in the moment and they didn't have a construct to follow but when you're in it and you're so used to being given those answers that thought seems very impossible to get your head around but i always like it the analogy i was going to say is that like it's like saying i shop at sainsbury's because sainsbury's is the best because it's always the best um because it's the only one that you know because it's the only supermarket that you've been to yeah. and going well i'm not going to go anywhere else because that's that's what i know and, and it seems good but you haven't turned to the corner to explore that there's like an Aldi around there. Yeah. <laughs> That's like, so you're actually saying, I'm going to stick with this because it's the best, but you've, you've genuinely never given, been given a real opportunity, especially if you've been brought up in it to explore alternatives because they gave you that, that the idea that that was the best in the first instance, yeah. there's no critical thinking. There's no gift of critical thinking. So yeah. you're stumped before you even start on something that, really makes little sense yeah and that addiction to being right the addiction to being like this is the truth it's that totalitarian idea that look, this is the way i think they even have a song for that don't they but, but yeah. this is the way don't put it in my head <laughs> and uh, and you you do not deviate from that and here are all the reasons like the reasoning book as, as you say the answers to questions that we didn't care about <laughs> We wouldn't have yeah, asked. I actually wouldn't have asked those questions no. if you didn't give them to me. <laughs> and and that's one of the things that's uh, it's, it's clever. But when I speak to certain people who are still in the organisation, if they give me the time of day, it's like, look, you can give me all of the reasons. Like your your job as a salesperson, essentially, as a proselytizer, is to win people over. Great. You have all the reasons why you believe, and that's fine. You have all the the plus sides and the the sort of features and the bells and whistles but also as a persuader your like number one priority has to be find the weakest points in your argument and figure them out so that then if you if you can't fix them you can feature them before someone else does so you, you have to take ownership of the weaknesses and the failings and the things like the you know the, the abuse cover-ups and all the doctrinal stuff and the challenge that they face, and this, this blind spot maps across outside of that area as well, is this thing of, well, I can't possibly be wrong. We can't possibly be wrong. And so there's, we're, we're the pure religion, we're the true religion, the only one place. And so like you say, mm -hmm. any critical thinking and any like, yeah, this is kind of dodgy, gets immediately stamped out, which yeah. kills credibility far more than if they were to just take ownership of it and say you know that's kind of sucks but actually, over there. <laughs> yeah but actually doesn't kill their credibility because everyone's working to the same effect and that that's that's why it's so strong yeah um that's why it's like this house of cards where actually if you pull a little card out of your mind the whole thing comes down because as soon as you tweak your thinking or open up to new thinking you're like hold on this whole structure isn't supporting itself anymore but it is such a powerful thing that they've done with that I always say that the the organization, the Jehovah's Witness organization is so is so powerful because they use fear and they use hope, mm -hmm. which are very strong things. So we scare you into staying in 
and then we give you hope to make you feel better to always have something to attain to be chasing after and then within that is everybody supporting the structure by we're right we're right we're right we want to be right as humans it's very natural for us to want to be right as humans it's a very uncomfortable feeling to say maybe i was wrong or to change your mind on something or to open up to something new so to then have it there's this kind of underlying pride and arrogance that's really built into you of you're right you're right you're special you've got the truth lucky you poor anyone who doesn't understand this so you can be the most beautiful best person in the world still going to feed your ego as a human and it's still going to be a very comfortable place to stay in it's why it's the whole cognitive dissonance thing why you can struggle to talk to somebody about it because it just doesn't match up with their own reality and what they've been built to think and it's very uncomfortable um and coming out of it it's very uncomfortable having to deal with that as well having to you know that pride falls when you leave oh I wasn't wrong. I, sorry, I wasn't. Maybe I wasn't right. I now have to own, you know, I had, that was something that I had to do. I had to think I was a little bit of a douche in that because I went around with my head held high thinking I was better than anyone else because yeah. I had the truth and I was God's chosen people. Yeah, yeah. And that looking at people, oh, they're skinned and thrown, thrown about like sheep without shepherds that they need me to shepherd them. Or, Poor other people. Yeah. Yeah. And all the while you've got no idea of the joy and everything and the the love, the true love that actually exists in the world because you're just shielded from it. I don't know if you've seen or anyone listening has seen the the film The Village, but it's a very good, um, it's a very good analogy. Uh, I I don't know if that works, but if that makes sense, but it's, it's really interesting to watch with the eyes of an ex-Jehovah's Witness because it's about a group of people that have kept so insular and inside they have no concept of actually what the world is on the outside they're only told it's very fearful yeah yeah I think it's it's fascinating how the like you say that very tight very rigid framework it's it's a bit like a splint you know if someone breaks an arm or breaks a leg and you, you put something on there to to rigidly hold it in place and okay, for a broken arm or leg, it's okay. Quite helpful, in fact. But in order for it to then be healthy, then you have to take the splint off and you have to develop that, the motor skills and the strength and go through challenges and lift weights and all this other stuff in order to grow and get better. And when we've been in a situation like that, that's so rigid and so confined, then when you come into the world either through disfellowshipping or through disillusionment and leaving like there's so much to figure out from scratch and that like fear almost i'd say because it's from complete rigidity and complete certainty and it's like this is just one way and that's it Mm. um when you look at nature i'm not super well versed in all different religions and spiritual paths but as a good rule of thumb I found is that well nature and life in the universe tends to work in fractal patterns so things that work in nature if something's prevalent across the board in nature then it might be worth paying attention to and I look at nature it's like yeah there's there's order to it but boy is it chaotic and there's no one like there's no one rule that's absolutely immutable 
and and just the humility of, of being able to step into that slightly uncertain place or very uncertain place and say i don't know the answers but i can learn to ask the right questions rather than having to just fall back on the same old logical loops mm. and it, it's why it's so terrifying to leave because that very powerful line of thinking that we just discussed where will i go that's that's i think what holds a lot of people back is if i leave even when my sister was questioning it when she was disfellowshipped she was going through cancer and she was disfellowshipped and you know had some support but at the end of the day she was disfellowshipped so she really didn't have the amount of support from the congregation she would normally have if she was within um it was there's it's it's just um it's so difficult to get around that thinking when you're in because the question is if i go where will i go so that's the faulty idea that if I go, I have to go somewhere. And when I left, this is something that I realized years afterwards because I could start to see my patterns. I developed my thinking. I developed my self-awareness. But I realized that when I left, I literally felt like the rug had been pulled out from under me because it is, it's fundamental to you. It's everything. Everything went up in the air. And I've actually realized as the years have gone by that what I did do for a time was try and find a new system because you you're in this system. That's really what it is. It's a, you know, it functions like its own society, like its own, um, I can't think of the word, the, the word I want, but we'll stay with system. And so then you come out and you don't realize that actually you have the access to not be in a system. You just have access to live according to how you want to live that day the next day change that in a week change it in a year you're wired to look for a new system a new way of being a new existence and i, I definitely did that for a time i was like i i would look at certain not not in a religious sense but just a way of life so when i kind of found yoga and my spiritual path i then had this experience that i then needed to be a certain way to be in that world mm -hmm. so you know like things like we all know maybe be vegan or be be really environmentally friendly and like dress the right way and say the right things and and then all that happens is you get and this happens this happens outside the jehovah's witnesses with other religions and other any system with a sort of these kind of culty trend tendencies that people get lost in them because they think you have to follow a certain way and you don't it actually took a, a few years of learning that for me that i could be whatever i needed to be and whatever felt right um but when you're in when you're still in the witnesses and that's all you know and all you can see that's a very natural thought and very scary to to yeah. to not know where to go and i actually think it's why a lot of people return because you hear the stories of people being out for like 10 20 years and they go back and then they're of course touted at the conventions the prodigal son story blah 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 he returned they you know those stories have made this big whoop of 25 years he was out for when he returned don't lose faith don't lose hope on your loved ones on your defership ones well actually in my opinion which i think makes a lot of sense if i do say so myself <laughs> those people have gone out and they've never truly got around these patterns that were implanted in their heads and so they've always looked for another way or they've always looked for the same type 
a thing or all happiness in something else instead of getting underneath that and discovering it for yourself and they don't find it yeah. and they probably get tired of looking so naturally return i've had my moments i've had my moments in really dark times where i've thought you know what it was easier might just go back i know i couldn't do it i would never do it i would never sell my soul but it happens and yeah. I, I do think that's why a lot of people return because it's it's terrifying and if you can't work your way out of that um indoctrination and inst what's the word insta institution institutionalization thank you yeah. <laughs> it's like i've got institutionalized but not the asian on the end um then you're never yeah you're, you're kind of still mentally in somewhat because they've got that grasp and you might yeah. not return yeah and i love the quotes i think it's from the military american military specifically they say that you will not rise to the occasion you will fall to the level of your training and that applies in many areas of life but when we're leaving that situation we have to retrain ourselves uh, mentally and emotionally because we were trained in gardening you call it training like a plant when you have a, a vine thing that grows or, mm. or a tree that you want to grow in a certain direction you bind it to things and it trains in that direction and so we have to retrain our our way of thinking the kinds of questions that we're comfortable to sit with and in figuring out especially making that transition into figuring out well how does the world work if i got all these ideas of this is how worldly people are and this is the truth of humanity and this is you know, the, the path that everyone is on and this is the purpose when that's removed it creates a vacuum mm -hmm. and so then like you described the vacuum has to be filled by something or at least that's its tendency and figuring out just the the practicalities of life like how do i how can i build friendships on the outside when i, I send that survey out right at the beginning of this project loads of responses and the similarities of people's challenges were astounding and a huge one was how can i build healthy relationships how can i trust that people will like me and accept me for who i am or how can i build a life when with a future when before the only concept of the future was well just do this for a long time until god comes along and smites everyone and you can do something else then yeah so so in terms of figuring out the practicalities of that because like we say so you started off in then you left and now you've come all the way to being you know business owner and successful across fields what's like, what was that like for you figuring out how to make your way out here that's a good question i think when you put it like that it sounds like i like i came at it with some sort of plan um i had no plan <laughs> i am truly grateful and so fulfilled and happy where i am in my life um not only because i'm happy with how i get to live my life every day but the things that i've done to get here and the things that i've achieved i had absolutely no idea that i would do the things that i've done that I've, i would have the experiences that i've had and that I would develop into the person that I've become. There was, you know, you can only see from your current perspective. So 
it gives an, I think maybe people have an impression that if you're going to go, you kind of need to have this plan of how you're going to do it. I would say, throw the plan out the window. And I think what you were just saying about asking questions and figuring it out is actually all of it. It is, you, you, you kind of have to just put on your explorer cap and go out there and see. And I think the best way of doing that is by asking a lot of, asking questions of the world, but asking questions of yourself and checking in with yourself a lot. Um, I remember people asking me, uh, you know, I, I got a job so at, the, at the time, actually, when I left the witnesses, I wasn't well enough to work because of the chronic fatigue and, and the anxiety and everything. And so I had to, you know, find a home and find a job that could support that. So I got my first job and not my first job, sorry, but my first job for a little while with, with the whole energy issues. And then I just have conversations with people every day and I would find myself often every now and again, something would pop up and someone would ask me my opinion on something or we'd be talking about something and you have to develop this kind of extra self-awareness which I think leaving really gifts you with I think it sets you up as a very solid human being because like you said you have to retrain yourself and essentially life begins when you leave so at 26 I felt like a baby I still feel like a baby in the world I still think I'm learning because I'm bringing up the rear of having experiences and learning how to think that my friends and other people in the, in the world have been doing their whole life. They were taught how to question. They were taught how to think your thoughts through. We're on the back foot because we have to develop that way of thinking before we can even question. But I think if you just start exploring and asking those questions, um, like I was saying, sorry, people would ask me my opinion or my thoughts or something. And I would go to answer and stop and think, that's not my opinion. Mm. Yeah. That was a real shocker for me. And I, I would literally like shake my head sometimes because I felt like I had to like this wiring circuit, like a, like a switchboard or something, or um, I can't remember what they call them in computer terms, but the, all, all these plugs were in places and I, I had to like go in and find this wire and pull it out and be like, oh, okay, now where do I want to re-put that? somewhere else that works mm. for me so I had to question myself a lot in the moment um and I think it was just like I said the best way to come at it because you're not going to know you you can only ever have your answers or know from your current experience from your current perspective there was no way I would be able to say I'm going to go and do these things or this is how I'm going to develop or this is how I'm going to turn into this person that I want to be. I actually just had to explore like a baby would learning to walk. How, how do I do it? How does it work for me? And the beautiful thing is you now have, although yes, it does seem terrifying when you're thinking about going because it is the unknown. So it's naturally terrifying to our brains. You know, your body is, wired to keep you safe the unknown is terrifying you can't control it but on the flip side of that you have this beautiful blank expanse of anything you want and you get to explore it in the way that you want and that's I think very hard to comprehend at that time so you just have to take it little moments little questions what do I think about this what do I think about that because you have to remember that actually the Jehovah's Witness life is an easier life because you're given those answers because you're given the rules your whole way 
you're given the parameters of what you stay within. And they're either very narrow and we know, for example, if someone is disfellowshipped, we don't talk to them. That's our rule. Okay. You can exist within there. It's more comfortable. It's easy. You know, you know, your boundaries. Yeah. And it, I think it's why people struggle in the organization when there's those gray areas, because it doesn't, it doesn't um, entertain gray areas. And I don't know about you, but I always had these moments where it's like, oh, like with me, I wasn't disfellowshipped. So everyone had to make up their own minds on whether they spoke to me or not. And yeah. you can tell people really struggled with it because they're like, oh, we don't have, we don't have such set rules for this. Anything that doesn't have a set rule, like with the blood issue and how that's developed with scientific research, we don't have a set rule now. That set rule worked, don't accept blood. Well, we've got platelets, we've got vaccines, we've got all the different things. It's an easier life because you're given your answers. And so it's hard to go and explore those. But if you can remember, it gets to be fun and it gets to be anything that you want, that you actually want, then that can be really exciting. And I, I think that's just the best way to move forward is yeah. into the unknown and play, play with it. You're, you're essentially yeah. a child again. Have some fun. I love your metaphor about the uh, switchboard, I guess the, the word, but you know, when you're unplugging things, because in some of the hypnotherapy I'll do with people, that's actually a metaphor that we'll use as a construct where it's like, look, these ideas and these things that were plugged into us as we went along, it's like that's been sapping processing power in the back of our minds. Mm. But when you, just like any other machine, when you deprive it of power, the machine goes well it just stops working <laughs> and so when we go through the process of taking those old belief systems and old thoughts and just unplug it and say look that doesn't get my power anymore that doesn't get my devotion and my submission i'm gonna plug this into myself and sort of re-energize him it's mm. it's really liberating and so in that process of leaving them like you said, there's a lot of discovery and before you've described it as being like, like passing through fire, but as a result of that, you end up better than you did or than you were before. And so going mm. through the tribulation of leaving the organization, the challenges, the dark nights of the soul that, yeah, I'm sure we've all been through mm. and like being able to come out the other side of that, like you, you bring gifts with you from maybe not the organization maybe but definitely from the refinement process um curious about your thoughts on some of those the gifts and gems that surfaced mm. through going through that fire-like situation yeah sure i think it's important to prefix it with we are we will always naturally think that what we're about to go through is going to be worse than it is so that's why I always refer to it as kind of going through the fire because I got almost pushed through the fire to a degree because I was just such at a loss of something that didn't feel right anymore that I was like, this is my only option. So through I went, came out the other side and was like, that just didn't burn half as bad as I thought it would. Um, you know, it's like anything. We're, we're always fearful of the thing, but when you're in it in the moment, you will handle it. You just will and you'll handle it just fine. Um, so I think gifts wise and kind of, yeah, I would agree with what you said. I don't think, I don't think the organization gifted them to us, but having the experience of existing in that and coming through it, 
Um, I think one thing that I've taken away, which is really valuable to me, is that I'm not afraid to have my mind changed or my thoughts challenged. Um, it's really given me an open mind to, to other people, to the world, because I actually always said as a Jehovah's Witness, I was like, it's 100% the truth. How can you not see it's the truth? It makes so much sense. And I was so damn sure of that, that I would say, if anything proves to me or tells me that it's not, then I'll change my mind, then I'll leave. Like, I always felt like if you can see that it's the truth, you've got no choice but to be in it. That's how I felt when I was in. And to me, according to what I knew, I felt that way. And, the, and I just never thought I'd go though. I never thought that would actually happen. And then I was like, oh, all these things are telling me it's not right anymore. So better stick to my word, hey, hey ho. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not scared to, to, to change my thoughts. I'm, I'm open to hearing new ways of thinking, to learning about new ways of living. I'm open to different people, different types of people. It's also given me, I think I was naturally an empathic person anyway, but a great deal of empathy and compassion because you can really understand the, the flip side that people can go through in their life. You can really understand, you know, somebody who lived a certain way whether that was, for example, somebody who was on like the wrong side of the law or somebody who was, um, I don't know, a, a murderer or something, take, take it to an extreme degree, but that person can change because we're all built of our experiences. And I think it gives you a level of compassion and empathy for other humans and a lot of humility, realizing, you know, once you learn, oh god I was this person like you know I went through my yoga teacher training it was this huge spiritual a lot of my life has been a huge spiritual mind blow since I left which I never expected and it's like you know I was like a deeply religious person and then I've had my mind blown and I've come through all of this stuff but I have to own who I was before and how I used to think um and it's funny people whenever I tell people that I was a Jehovah's Witness. They're like, what? <laughs> they <Yeah>. think, <laughs> they're like, what? They think it's hilarious because I'm just such the like antithesis of it now. Yeah. <laughs> but that that's a gift. That like that gives you all the things I just said, an open mind, humility, so much strength. And it really gifts you. It's it's a rare, somewhat rare experience. And mm. it's quite an extreme experience. Um and through everything that you have to work through with coming out that is only going to make you a stronger kinder more resilient person um it, it really builds resiliency and your resourcefulness as well you you really learn what you're capable of because you ain't leaving that religion with a lot of help let's face it and let, like most of us come out don't have a support system on the outside because even if we've got people who we were close to who were once in once they've gone you've then disconnected from them so yes you can reach out but you don't really have people there holding your hand helping you out and helping you through coming out so you learn a lot about yourself that you, you'd never know you were capable of um and that's amazing because like for me we were talking before before we started recording i've gone on to start my own business I've gone on to travel the world and live my life how I want to live. And I don't think I would necessarily be that person if I hadn't learned that something that I was so scared of going through, I could handle. Mm. Yeah, that's a huge lesson. 
I love the concept of, it sounds kind of nasty, but like social death. And what I mean by that is we have these identity frames, right? And I often like to mention everyone is indoctrinated to some degree. We have, we had all of our indoctrination in one place. Um, but other people outside of the organization, they've got as many weird frameworks going on around them. They're just kind of scattered. You will always receive conditioning. Yeah. Like always. family and yeah. culture and society and friends and teachers and media. And it's, it's all over. So humans are open to influence and programming, whether that's from one place or from many. And where in general life, it's very insidious. It was so obvious with us. So then we had that opportunity to wake up from it and go, right, all this, not only the stuff that I thought was true, but the person who I was within it, that has to go. Mm -hmm. like that, that has to be grown beyond and moved beyond because there's just not space to live a truthful, authentic life and still be carrying that. Um, and that process of being able to move on from the previous self. I use the phrase social death because that's what the mm. uh, ancient Romans used to do. Um, they had, you know, slavery was a big thing over there and it wasn't random. It was such like the ownership of other people was so common. It was to sell themselves into slavery to get out of debt and various things. So they developed a whole legal system around it and protocols is that they're very practical people, the Romans. So they just, they figured it all out. And uh, one of this core concepts was of social death, where you could meet someone who you know, like a friend, and then they sell themselves to make some, you know, to, to pay off debt. And they cease being the, like the identity of who they were before that's either deleted or it's paused until they're back out again. And then they have a new name, they have a new persona, new roles. And although that's a very nasty kind of <laughs> scenario, <laughs> the value in it and the value I brought with me is I have the ability to lose aspects of myself, to lose entire support networks, to lose entire belief systems, and yet I'm still here. Yeah. So whatever that essence of self is that can go through those deaths and rebirths and that evolution process, the ability to to die to previous aspects of myself and yet keep on living was mm. hugely valuable because then like you said you go through life and you already have a reference point of that situation that i would have been horribly afraid of now i still know it's going to be unpleasant but i know that even if i've if i haven't overcome worse i know that i can overcome terrible things and so it gives you confidence where people who haven't had these experiences, they don't have that gift because they, they haven't got the reference of losing everything or Truly. losing everything they thought that they were and their identity and all of that. So it's yeah, twisted, absolutely. but valuable. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's such a good way of putting it. It's kind of messed up, but it, it will give you something that not a lot of people in the world have or have to work a little bit harder to attain potentially and yeah exactly what you said it, it made me think of that phrase like um what served you then doesn't serve you know what what got you here won't get you there yeah. you're you're not scared to let go of things that don't serve you anymore so maybe that's people maybe that's ways of thinking 
maybe it's patterns habits yeah you've got an ability to really know that you're you're capable for that and i love that you summed it up really it's just this confidence it's you know i have friends in similar industry and work as me and sometimes they'll be like oh how can you just do this or you're able to do that and i do think like sometimes a shift is easier for me because i had such a dramatic one as it was yeah um it's just it's given me a a skill and certainly an interesting story if nothing else (laughs) it puts things into perspective doesn't it i know i'll go through things where like really trivial stuff like um you know someone drew a mustache onto my face with a makeup (laughs) thing thinking that it would buy her more time to get ready and that i wouldn't leave the house looking like that i'm like no we're going now (laughs) we're still going you got that stuff on your face i'm like Mate, my entire social circle and friends and family think I'm the spawn of Satan. A, this a, is minimal. Yeah, a, a little drawy on makeup moustache on my face is nothing. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. So it, it puts life into, into perspective when we, um, when, when we go through things like that. And it helps you to enjoy things more, I, I believe. Yes, and such a gratitude. You, you mm. have such a, a, a genuine gratitude like I very much have this feeling that you know if somebody told me I was going to pop my clogs tomorrow I'd be like do you know what I had a great run in the last eight years I've done more than I, than I thought I would do in my entire life yeah like I'm solid I have some wonderful experiences some very happy memories you know I've been through the mill as well as all humans do but damn like I'd be like okay I had a great time. Yeah. <laughs> this is not the way my life, I thought my life was going to go. So. Yeah. What a wild ride. Yeah. <laughs> and in relation to the confidence thing, something we kind of mentioned before we hit record was this idea of, of speaking out. Because obviously, so for ourselves, our, our you know, background, our, our families, and, and you know, there are potential social repercussions to speaking out as you have in the past and here and other activity you've got a Facebook group I know as well there's there's a lot of hesitation to coming out as it were um, I know I was like I was disfellowshipped about four years ago gradually started waking up mentally and asking better questions about two years ago it was only only in the last year when I started to actually be more open about it and and just be honest um because of those potential repercussions so well the world's a small place the internet makes everything very fast so things will get back to family and friends and there'll be all these little shock waves going out and it can be scary so what was given the potential like negative repercussions of speaking out and standing up and and making your story known, what was it that's like counterbalanced that? What's made the suffering or the negatives worth standing up for, if that makes sense? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, So just to give a little bit of context to that as well, I don't have a relationship with my mother or my sister now who are still firmly in. So that was my, you know, potential loss. for the sake of speaking out i didn't know if that would happen or not at all but even with with, with the the potential of it the, that counteraction for me 
was that I knew as being a witness for all my life prior that when people go they just fade they just sort of disappear because you're in this very insular construct and they've now been tricked and snared by the devil and you don't want to have contact with that person because you're terrified of the same happening and all the things that they tell you that means these people you know I'm sure you were the same before you left I had many people that I knew who had left being disfellowshipped suddenly gone shock you know shock goes through the congregation through the grapevine so and so's done this they've gone and you know that happens and those people just seem to fade into non-existence you you might mention their name every now and again uh wonder how they are or something like that but you never see anything of their life unless you were to go looking for it and i think it's because when you go you just want nothing to do with it anymore when you really reach that point um or at some stage um people people might reach that point um for me then knowing how that was when i was in and that i knew about all these people who had left but i didn't know what they were doing in their lives or how they were and knowing that i made the assumption that they must be in pain they must be struggling they must be an unhappy person now they haven't got true fulfillment they haven't got community they haven't got true love those are all my assumptions then being a person who had left and was deliriously happy in comparison and was thriving and having making amazing friends and different experiences around the globe and you know to the point where i am now where i have a business a couple years under my belt and i make my own money and i i live my life how i want to live my life every day and i started speaking out about a year and a half ago because i went to a uh, it was actually kind of like a coaching convention for the coaching industry because that's part of the world that's the part of the internet world that i work in and it really cracked me open and people were saying to me i shared my story there and people were saying you have to start speaking out about this for the people that need it and it made me realize this thing that when people go you hear nothing and to me the potential risk of what would happen or um what i would have to deal with or the loss was worth it because people need to know who were still in who might be questioning or scared to go or don't believe it but don't know what else to do they need to know that you can come out and you can thrive that was my big driver i was like hold on i'm happy i'm not all the things that i was scared i was going to be or actually thought i was going to be even when i left i remember thinking you were going to be miserable for a few years at least but you still have to go and i wasn't no one near and that just aren't enough people sharing that probably because we still have this cloud of fear over us which makes a lot of sense because it is very difficult when you've got risk of of hurting family and then losing family to me it it just became worth it i just thought people who for the suffering that is happening with either people who want to go or people who are out or newly out they need to know you're going to be okay they need to know that you can have a life that you can be happy that you can thrive and the more that i started speaking out and sharing the more people would connect with me and say thank you so much i can feel myself getting emotional <laughs> but they'd be like i needed that thank you yeah. i really needed to hear this and i and as that happened more and more i just realized 
you have to be brave to be a voice for those people because they need it. They need it. And these people are suffering. And I knew my experience of depression and anxiety and the panic attacks and everything. And it just felt like it's got to be worth it to take up that kind of, I don't know, pedestal, band, like whatever, you, soapbox, whatever you want to call it, of being like, hey, it's okay. Yeah. And you can, and I'm here if you want to connect with me. I'm putting myself out there if you want to connect with me because I know what you're going through. I know how difficult it is. And I think this is more important. And at the end of the day, my family and old friends will make the choices that they want to make. And I was always fearful of them making those choices and fully disconnected from me. But actually when it happened, although I do very much miss my family, I, I have a, an extra level of freedom because I realized actually that I was shutting myself down. I wasn't sharing certain elements of my life. I wasn't saying certain things online or mm. silly things. I dress up for Halloween and I wouldn't post it. Oh, cause they know I celebrate Halloween. You're actually then kept under that. You're, you're kept under the control still of the organization to a degree. And although it was very sad and very painful and still is to not have my mum and my sister in my life, I'm free. Yeah. Actually, I would have to sell my freedom to go back to that, to have those relationships. And I think that ultimately they will make that choice. You know, that's their choice that they've made regardless. Um, and in the same light, I have to make my own. Uh, and being something for, for people who are, are dealing with the same feels like a very important cause to me as well. Yeah, I totally agree. There's a scripture and I'm never good at the chapter and verse stuff even when I was in I was I remembered like two and the rest I just <laughs> paraphrased but there's that scripture where Jesus talks about how um anyone who joins with you may lose you know brother and sister and father and mother and friends and all that stuff um but if you lose that you'll gain a hundredfold from from being with me and that was the scripture that always got promoted as a, a thing of well look if people are leaving their families to come into the organization mm. and that was the angle and the not that i've found jesus on, on the outside but the the reverse of that i'm like this is really fascinating how the reverse is kind of true where look we might lose friends and brothers and sisters and fathers and all that but the amount you're gaining as a result of at the cost of that sacrifice it doesn't mean it's not a sacrifice and it doesn't mean it doesn't hurt but what you're gaining i i said to a family member who had a go at me for when they found out what i was doing and um and i, I said look i can i understand why you're upset but the the work i'm doing the stuff that we're putting out there these interviews where you're sharing stories of that, that can shine that light for someone who may not have found just that hope and that belief in themselves to keep going. Like, well, if that, if this means that just like one or two parents don't have to get an absolutely awful phone call from the police one day, then that's worth pissing you off for. Exactly. That's, that's and fun. there are truly are people going through that. Yeah. And the more I spoke to people, the more I realized what people are handling. You know, I would say I actually probably had a fairly easy run of it. I just stopped being a Jehovah's Witness and got spiritual. So I do yoga and I namaste and I om and I have crystals and <laughs> um, meditate. Um, 
but you know there are there are people and I had a relatively fine life in it I didn't really suffer abuse but there are people that people that have I didn't change my you know I didn't have a I wasn't pretending to have a different sexual orientation but there are people who have there are people going through so much worse actually I know my experience and what it was but there are people going through that same experience with extra levels of difficulty and it, it breaks my heart um and I think the exact same as you it's funny you, you'd never you'd never think when you're in it like if that's the one rule and that's the one way of thinking that we have while we're in it then surely that has to be the same the other way like you said with what you'd lose you'd gain a hundredfold but it completely is and it's same actually I when I was thinking about leaving I was petrified and I prayed my ass off to stay in but something still felt like it was telling me to go and I used the same reasoning. I thought, well, do you know what? If we say that Jehovah pulls people into his organization, who he wants, then it has to work. We have to use the reason in the same way. And I, I thought at the time, maybe there is a God and it's not him. And they want me elsewhere or yeah. something like that or something's better. I have my own beliefs about that now personally, which aren't important in this conversation. But you, you have to, to see it, yeah, in, in the same way. Um, and yeah, I don't have contact with, I don't know, something about 160 people or something who came to my wedding. They were gone like that. Yeah. That last meeting, I've probably heard from about four people since, um, besides the elders trying to contact me here or there. And I have, I could count my closest friends near enough on one hand, but the quality of those friendships, the lack of judgment, the the level of support and of genuine love and that's not to say that people within the organization don't genuinely love or don't mm. know how to love but unfortunately although there are some really lovely kind people in that organization it is conditional love it will always come of a condition of but if you go that's it if you think differently to me that's it my mum my own mother said to me I love you, but my loyalty is to God. That's, I'm sorry, but I'm going to say it. I don't think we experience genuine love within it. Mm. If, if you have a caveat, how can that be real love? And I could probably do all sorts to my friends now or say some crazy things. Yeah. And one of the things they say to me all the time is, you know, I love you. I'm not going to judge you. It doesn't matter. It's okay. It's, it's worlds apart. Yeah, it's that's been a huge realization for me is the, the freedom to make mistakes. Cause before it was like, um, oh man, I, I was terrible in like, I got baptized at 17 and I, I was you just- You told me your stories as well. 20. I know what you were up to. Oh, I, I'm not sharing those ones. This is the, this is the family friendly version. Although I did swear a second ago, but anyway. The, um, I right, was, iTunes uh, has got an explicit rating. Has it? Oh, good. Yeah. Let's, let's crack on with that then. No, they, um, <laughs> I, I got, got baptized and it's all this messy thing that I won't go into. But like, I, I made some mistakes. And they're, like, compared to actual mistakes, they were really mild. Like I was, there was this, this sister who uh, she and I liked each other and she was going through a divorce. So she was still married technically, but they were, they'd separated and they lived apart. And so by anyone's logical standards, like, yeah, they're not together anymore. But boy, I was so burdened with guilt um, 
of like what a bad person I was for, for doing that. And it was this huge shameful secret. And I got into the habit, even to this day, I have the, I always keep my phone on, um, uh, you know, like with the face down, which is really dodgy. Everyone's like, oh yeah, that's what cheaters do. And it's just, I got in the habit then <laughs> because I, I didn't want anyone seeing this message coming through from someone I shouldn't have been texting. And it was like, um, mm. like living with the thought police and, and my friends and family were great people. But there's that knowledge that if you mess up or if you're doing something you shouldn't be doing, that there's that thought police Gestapo yeah. action going on. And, well, you're uh, actively encouraged to... to report on each other, aren't you? So, yeah. And, and, and that's, not any, that's not even any slight on those people who are your good family and friends and who love you. But that's, you know, they're under the same fear and hope and all those issues themselves. And they're scared, yeah. if I don't say something, I'm going to be blood guilty. So it's, it's puppet strings, crazy. Yeah. Everyone that would actually very naturally love and support each other and be there for each other and not judge. All those people, you know, that we were close with would naturally be that way or actually have that robbed from them. Yeah. So you can't even be the, the, the level of person that you can be and you can't blame them for it because everyone's scared of losing their life next day. Yeah. If Armageddon's coming. Theocratic gun held to their head is how I describe it. Mm. Um, yeah. And so to be on the outside and to, to make that, um, it's not making it available because it already is, but making people aware that it's available to them, that, hey, you can have connections and friendships and you can receive love that's not conditional. And you can have friendships where, you know, you reach out and it's like, look, I did this freaking awful thing. And they'll laugh with you and, <laughs> and help you get through it and come yeah. out the other side. Yeah. And it's, um, it's, I always remember, this is a bit of a personal story, but when I was first, like, stopping going to meetings, I was trying to get reinstated, and then I, it kind of stopped because of various things, but one of the catalysts was I was almost back. I was going to the judicial hearings. They're like, yeah, we'll reinstate you soon. And then uh, I had a female friend, and one thing led to another, and we ended up sleeping together. And... Um, and this was right before I got reinstated. So I was kind of annoyed at myself. And um, I met up with a friend of mine who was obviously not, not a witness. The next day, I went, went to the pub. And I said, um, I said about what happened. And he's like, you're the only person I know who can say, I just got laid and make it sound like a bad thing. It's like, what's, <laughs> what's going on? And so I explained the whole situation and it was, just a very real conversation yeah you know there were no negative repercussions from it there was no judgment there was no thought policing there was no ah oh, it was just so much better than, yeah. than that constant fear of well if i admit to thinking or asking the wrong thing i'll get i'll get dobbed in mm. so just making that um bringing that to light for people i think that's something i hope people get from this conversation yeah. is uh, look, you, you can have freedom. Well, you have it, but you can use it. And, you know, you, you can let go of things and you can make different choices for yourself and still find people who truly accept and love you without prerequisites, yeah. without conditions. You, you can be human. Yeah. You can be, and yeah, I don't know about you, but like with that situation, whenever I've had things like that, or if I've just told somebody, you know, somebody will tell me something, just every day 
and I'd go, oh, well, I never knew that, or I never knew that I had that experience, or I might tell somebody about an experience in it, and, and I just, like, nonchalantly say, like, yeah, so I had to have, like, a judicial, judicial hearing. I remember giving people that story sometimes, and they were like, you truly realise, it, it really gives you a gift of having these two, like I said earlier, you really know what it's like to be in one world, and then in a complete different one, and it really gives you this gift of looking at things, you're like, you really start to realize how crazy it is. And I know that's a harsh word to use, but when you're in, you don't think it's crazy. It's your experience. Mm. It's your normal. And I tell people about some of the things or be like, Oh no, I didn't have that. Or I did do this. or I did go through that. And they were like, you know, I sat in a room with three men and told them intimate details about my life to be reproved. Mm. And people are like, you know, I saw, I saw a therapist for a bit. She's like, this is PTSD. You have PTSD. You be, this is spiritual trauma. This, like these things that you've been through constant denial of yourself is, it's intense. I don't mean to say that to scare anyone, but you just realize the level of what you've been existing in. Yeah. Yeah. And on the flip side of that then, because like we said, there's a scary element to that, but what's really encouraging is that there is an upshot. And so what you mentioned at the outset of having been in and having struggling with, you know, chronic fatigue syndrome and anxiety and depression, being on all the medication and things like that was the norm before. And while you're in it, maybe there was this thing of, well, this is how it's going to stay for the foreseeable future. And I've not asked you this and we've not prepped this question. So we'll see. I'm nervous now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but having gone from that place, is it, like, are you still dealing with those things or is it that you know you've, you've come out the other side and the the anxiety the panic attacks all of that is a thing of the past and you've like you, you've outgrown it and you've moved beyond it I don't deal with any of those things in the slightest and actually no that I won't say it that way I don't deal with anything that I used to I don't have I have been through actually what I did go through a few years ago wasn't what they call an adrenal crash mm. but that was because of the years of build-up so yeah. that wasn't that didn't come from from being out um actually when I saw the, the the lady that I was working with to to support me through healing through that she was like you've lived 25 years of your life in fight or flight so you actually probably should have broken down a little bit earlier but no is is the simplest answer no I don't have any of that and Although I will say I went through a particularly difficult time in my personal life re recently. I dealt with something very difficult and I did go to a low place. I really hit a low place, but I had new skills and new understanding of how to deal with that. Um, I don't exist in that place. I have so much joy in my life. I do not have the anxiety, the panic attacks that I have. I've come off a number of medications that I was on actually for my health and um, antidepressants. Um, no, I just, I'd never have thought, no, it's just like, I can't no. even tell you how different <laughs> it is. I don't know how to convey it in a way that's like, I'm just not that human that I was. Um, and that's a wonderful thing. And I, I feel for her and I've had to actually take time to forgive her for, for, continuing to push herself through a life that wasn't meant for her but I'm a great believer in 
you know, mental health is a huge field and I'm not going to speak to all of it because I'm not educated in that way. But from my personal experience, depression and the difficulties that came with that came from, from trying to push myself into a life that wasn't meant for me. I just didn't know it wasn't meant for me. So it was like that round peg square hole. It just was jarring me every day of my life, but I had never had a different experience to understand what it could have been. Um, and so I always describe my experience of depression as just my soul, my being, however you want to look at it. Me as a person, as a human, um, was just deeply living something that was very misaligned to how she would normally be. And I think it's why people are so surprised when they, they realize that I was a Jehovah's Witness and married and all things now. You know, even just to look at, I have piercings, I have tattoos, I go about my life in a different way. Um, so if you look at it that way, if I'm so different now, of course it was going to be causing all of those mm -hmm. experiences and mental disorders or, or illnesses rather, because I was not in any shape or form being allowed to flourish and experience myself as the person that, that I was deep down. And, and she had to be discovered afterwards. It wasn't like, I, it is a kind of returning home to yourself because that, I would say that that person is always there but the lid had to be opened there had to be a discovery process um yeah. so I, d I don't think you ever really even massively change when you leave i think you just i think you just say hello to yourself i don't think you're even hugely a new person you you've just welcomed yourself home really yeah. stopped being fake yeah jumping through hoops that weren't made for oh you. the relief in my i could like physically feel it as you said that's like yeah just pure relief yeah Oh, brilliant. I, uh, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Me too, thank I you. I anticipated doing. I'm confident that anyone who has listened has got some real gems from it. What, whatever phase of the recovery journey uh, you're on, there's, there's something to have been got from this. Um, mm. Something that you mentioned beforehand that I wanted to put out to everyone is that you do have a platform, a Facebook group that people can come to and uh, and sort of have a place to speak and, and find some mm -hmm. support and, and all of that. Do you want to go into that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So it's something I started as more people reached out to me. Um, as I shared my story, you know, I would put hashtags and things on it or someone would know someone that had a similar experience. So I would make connections here or there. And I just created this Facebook group as a private place. So I will say that it is completely locked down. So anybody that isn't in the group can't see who's in it and can't see anything that's posted. So it's a completely hidden group. Um, so it's a very safe space because I just wanted to create something, a container where people could share about this experience to other people that knew that experience because I like I said I do think it's somewhat unique and I think it falls in that bucket of experiences in life that if you haven't been through it you can't fully know it mm -hmm. it's like you wouldn't know how what it feels like to be a woman because you've never been one and there's just some things that you just don't know until you know so I really wanted a space where people could come together in there um, it's not a hugely active group if anyone wants to join you won't be bombarded with notifications or anything like that but it's kind of there if you've just got something that you want to speak out every now and again someone will post or share um, and I think even 
if they don't just seeing a space where there's about I think there's 40 or 50 members in it now from across the world people that I've met on travels all sorts um just to see that's available it is sometimes comforting enough yeah. So it, it's there if, if people want to join and use it however they want. Um, you can search it on Facebook. It's called This Is My Truth. Lovely. Yeah. Love that. And so outside of that, your, your name is Abigail Chandler. Your business mm-hmm. name is The Holistic <laughs> Assistant. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, that's all you've been building over the past two years, which mm-hmm. is, uh, I feel like we could do a, like a podcast episode on that alone <laughs> the business development's a story in and of itself yeah but yeah thank you so much for joining me with this and i recommend everyone check out abigail's group stay in touch always send in questions and thoughts and requests for future episodes that's the best thing when people send in questions and thoughts i'm like do you know what i'd never even thought to ask that but let's explore it so very much community-led and i love making these so Thank you for helping me. Thank you for having me. We'll speak soon.